0: Do you have to wear your loud shoes to uh, make sure not. you're showing sure
1: out. I actually ran into the office this morning and I knew I had to see. People
0: shoes know we we're uh, in a uh, park.
1: Welcome to another episode of Walking with Wealth Managers. Uh, we're on Home Turf in London today at Regent's Park and I am with Ben Gutteridge who is Head of Fund Research at Bruin Dolphin. Hi, Ben.
0: Hello. How are Suji? you? Very well, thank you, very well. Delighted to be here.
1: Good. Well, thanks very much for coming out, getting out of the office. Bit of fresh air.
0: Well, it's not something I like to do, getting out of the office, <laughs> but uh, on this occasion. Well,
1: We've chosen somewhere fairly close, because okay. you, you're over in Smithfield. Aren't that's
0: you? right, that's right.
1: Um, yeah, so you're Head of Fund Research at Bruin Dolphin. Uh, you've also been applauding in our CityWise Wealth Manager Top 100 feature. and. Alongside doing all of that you also host the Bryn Dolphin award winning podcast so it's kind of a bit of a changing a change of roles here I'm going to interview you instead of you interviewing
0: yeah okay so, so
1: I put you in the hot seat <laughs> well
0: it's okay I, uh, I look forward to it
1: okay good um, so as part of your should we head down it yeah so part of your role as head of fun research you have oversight is it about two hundred and fifty on your buy list
0: at the moment. If I'm right, correct me if I'm wrong. No, no, that's uh, that's that's about right. I'm not saying it with much confidence, am I? <laughs> uh, no, that's that's that's, You're that's the about right. That should know. <laughs> yeah, I mean this uh, this covers a lot of uh, different strategies we have. Uh, you know, sort of the classic open-ended active funds. Uh, that's certainly the, the chunk of what we do. Uh, but the number, you know, gets nearer two hundred and fifty when you include uh, investment trusts, uh, passive vehicles and uh, structured products as well. So yeah, you're getting close to 250 okay. when you have them all uh, combined.
1: Okay. And it's, what, is it, uh, how, how many assets under management? The last time I looked, thir- 39 billion? Yes, no, that's, uh,
0: yeah, that you could, we'll, we'll take that, uh, okay. you can take that number. So
1: I mean, it's a pretty, pretty mammoth task. There's a, a bit of weight resting on your shoulders. <coughs> um, so I think what well, our listeners will be keen to know, and I'm very interested to know, is how you got to where you are today.
0: Um, what, have we got to the 39 billion or how? No, I no, got how to, you got
1: to being head of fund research at Bruin Dolphin.
0: Well, you know, working every hour and moment that God sends <laughs> was uh, probably the major uh, contributing factor. Um, but sort of, I've got a maths background, sort of at, in, in academia, and I uh, was always sort of keen to work, use that in, uh, in the city, being a sort of southeast boy.
1: Mm-hmm. And Whereabouts, where are you from?
0: I'm from Kent yeah from kent marja tay uh, margate some people uh, know it as okay um and um yeah i uh, started my first role was at barclays or bgi really mm-hmm. and we were part of the role was helping to sell product to dfm mm-hmm. uh, to wealth managers and uh, it seemed to me that uh what would be the best thing to do would be to be on the, the buy side, because I don't know, sort of on the sell side, you're a little bit conflicted sometimes, yeah. you know, uh, it's sometimes laid down upon high, you know, what needs to be, what's to be sold, not necessarily in client interest, whereas on this side of the fence, you know, always trying to do uh, the best for our clients.
1: Okay. And so was that, so you... So yeah,
0: sorry, so I did a year at Barclays and because um, I wanted to move to the, to the buy side um, got in touch with a few people and some, an opportunity came up at uh, at Brewing Dolphin and um, yeah it was Lord Harry Burnham uh, who who hired me
1: okay
0: and uh, yeah have uh, been have been at Brewing's for fourteen years wow
1: uh, I don't so think you joined th- in what year was it you joined
0: well uh, based on my maths shorthand maths <laughs> that would be two thousand and
1: three <laughs> I would mean, hope that you were challenging my maths me. <laughs>
0: challenging my maths credentials already. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and so I've been at Brewing sort of 14 years. I don't think that's sort of just down to a lack of ambition. Uh, it's uh, more to do with, you know, the the role has evolved and continues to evolve. I've actually been head of fund research for sort of s- nearly seven years now, I think. Okay. But the, the role has changed dramatically, and the department, the contribution the department makes to the firm's investment proposition has changed dramatically well, that just, over that 14-year time period. Yeah,
1: it goes with the sort of changing investment environment that we're in, the nature of kind of a discretionary private client investment management has changed as an industry
0: at that time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we certainly were a bespoke house, but uh, we've built up a quality research um, outfit and the centre, uh, the investment managers, you know, really lean into it and uh, use it. Um, but of course, like I said, yeah, we're, uh, we're still a, a bespoke. Yeah, investment uh, investment house.
1: Yeah, but was that was that all? Was this always the dream for you? From you know, say you were ten-year-old boy, <coughs> what, was it, what was your dream then? Was it to come and be <laughs> fun selecting?
0: <coughs> it wasn't. Clients? It wasn't my only dream. <laughs> uh, there were, I guess, some sporting ambitions in there as well. But uh, no, for a career, it would always have been to to use the mass and um, yeah, work in the work in the big city, work in events that really you know matter to people and um, you know try and you know make people a little bit better off along the way
1: yeah good okay um, so I guess we can't really avoid the award-winning podcast at Bruin Why should we? <laughs> <laughs> I mean um, how how did that come about because did you start it or was it already up and running and you just got involved what's the story how did it get going?
0: Well it was uh, Guy Foster's our head of research um, I don't believe he was head of research at the time, he may have been, i have to fact check that. But uh, we were certainly conducting some uh, excellent interviews with our fund managers, had lots of feedback about that. Uh, we had uh, a blog up and running. Okay. But blogs are quite hard work, I think. Yes. You know, writing a three, 400 page, 300-400 uh, four, words, um, Sort of piece on something investment uh, relevant and interesting. Uh, it's quite hard to keep the output up, especially when you know you've got a job to do. Whereas pod, you know, a podcast, just a you know a twenty minute interview with a fund manager, is uh, you know just as we're doing now. It's very easy. You just push a button and away you go. Have a conversation, a conversation you'd have in a as you're doing your normal day job, and you've got something interesting for the wider investment community to to listen to. Yeah. So. Um, a combination of our skill sets and um, work ethic led us to, okay. uh, to, to a podcast. So it was sort of a
1: joint venture between you and guys. So yeah, that's absolutely some of right. The, the, yeah. the rest of the research team have got involved as well along the way. That's right, yeah.
0: Okay. I mean, we, um, we interview our research team. If there's uh, an investment, you know, investment relevant question to ask them, our direct equities team or our funds team. Uh, but also we have, uh, more recently, some of our other... Funds team actually hosting uh, hosting podcast yeah. uh, as well.
1: Okay, so tell me about. But I'm reluctant
0: I... to hand it over because I, I love <laughs> it so much. You
1: like doing it. Yeah. You found your your <laughs> calling, your secondary calling to fund selection. Um, tell me about the first episode because I tried to scroll through and find it, but I don't know if it's still in the archive somewhere. Because well, a while ago, well over a, <clears throat> how long has it been running? Yeah, like, I mean, three it'd be,
0: years? Yeah, I think it's about like near four years. Okay. And um, do you know what? On the spot, I can't quite remember our first. I, th- really? I, know, I remember <laughs> our first. Uh, I remember our first guest was Jim Levis. Yeah. Which is why, actually, we went to the, the awards dinner, uh, awards lunch. We actually took a song from M and G as a thank you for their provision of ongoing provision of guests. Uh, but I think our first podcast it was just sort of me interviewing Guy, and um, you know, almost a service to. Our investment managers, um, and it got, uh, <coughs> you know, it got good feedback. But, you know, people don't want to hear as, as interesting as we are, and this guy <laughs> is. People don't necessarily <laughs> want to hear from him week in, week out. So we started getting guests, and of course, the feedback was, you know, even better. to do another one. Yeah, so we kept, uh, <laughs> kept doing it and kept trying to pursue it. We're getting, uh, getting high-profile guests, and so we're delighted with that sort of long list of uh, guests that we've had on it. Okay.
1: Who's been your most memorable guest?
0: Um, well, I interviewed Jeb Bush. That okay. was, uh, that was certainly very exciting. Yeah. A it all, bit, all uh, went
1: smoothly.
0: Yeah. I mean, he was, he was utterly charming and, um, uh, I only had 10 minutes, but sometimes 10 minutes is, um, as this pot, this half an hour podcast will prove sometimes <laughs> 10 minutes is better than, uh, you know, you get all that you, you, sort of get condensed answers, uh, quick fire questions, and uh, yeah, it was all uh, it was all very nice. And before and after, he asked me all this sort of classic American qu- football uh, questions. You know, what's your what's your favourite soccer team, and, uh, and is it the Tottenham Hotspur That sort of stuff. <laughs> is that uh, his support? Uh, it's not. It's not. But okay. that's, that was his reference.
1: That's yeah. the only one he knew. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fair enough. And is it not because of their amazing record, leap <laughs> break recently? Um, and you must have had. I mean, that's a good example of one of your interviews. You must have had some experiences recording your podcast where you just think, "Oh my God, what's happening?" Or I don't know, you've you've slipped up <coughs> somewhere because you can't get it right all the time, especially in four years.
0: Of... Yeah, I mean, I mean, I have to say that. I mean, I certainly won't be naming names, but that sometimes no, you just right. know in the midst of a podcast that it's going to be a duff one. Sometimes, you know, I mean, the the sp of it, or the um, you know, the what we're trying to do is deliver a very Digestible, accessible financial podcast that uh, you know clients can easily understand. You get sort of economists getting deep into, you know, um, well, economic matters. It can be quite heavy, yeah. especially if there is um, no real emotion in the delivery. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so you sort of sat there thinking, oh, this is going to be a disaster. And you worry How about that, that because exciting. you've got, uh, you know, you, you you take a lot of pride in these podcasts, so. Yeah, um, but no mistakes from me. I can't recall any. Really, <laughs> no, I'm sure there. Well, wow,
1: I'm very impressed. <laughs> You've got everyone's name right every time.
0: Um, yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, we do actually try and be a bit uh, relatively amusing with it when we can. I remember um, um, when Neil Woodford came on to do the mm-hmm. podcast when he joined, uh, his, started his new firm. Yeah, and uh, my first, my opening question was you know well first of all i congratulate him on everything he'd achieved but then before we get into financial matters i asked him what his motivation was for the name of the new firm and uh, <laughs> he was actually a very good uh, a very good sport about it but that's that's, that's the thing we tried to create a sort of friendly convivial atmosphere
1: yeah so then what are the what are the download stats on it because it's available i'm going to do you a plug here it's available oh, thank you. on itunes correct and on and that's your podcast app on your phone? Yeah. I suppose that's, that's one and the same. Where else can you go? You can get
0: it, it from, um, you can just listen to it straight from uh, the web. Yeah. You can go to uh, SoundCloud. I mean, if you're on Twitter, I mean, it comes right the web anyway, but if you're on Twitter and you follow Bruins, we regularly uh, post about it. Just follow the link. Um, so there's a few uh, a few ways into it.
1: Okay. And, yeah, so we are what are the, how, how many downloads does it get?
0: Well, we... Uh, regularly you get over 500 and you sort of get nearer a 1, 1,000 once, um, once you get some of the higher-profile okay. guests.
1: And um, what's that per month?
0: Uh, per, per edition. Per m- oh, per, per oh, edition. okay. Um, so we try to put out one a week. And, I mean, it's not actually, I mean, some, you like to think it's the big names, but, I mean, sometimes you can do things totally by chance. And, uh, you know, emerging markets are hot that week and it's an emerging market yeah, no guest problem. and, uh, you know, people are, people are, you know, onto it. Yeah. And some higher-profile guests... It's not in an interesting set area. Sometimes the numbers aren't quite as what you'd expect, but uh, by and large, it's sort of between 500 and 1,000.
1: Do you get a bit addicted looking at the stats of each different episode? Well, no,
0: we do, uh, I, I would if they were available, okay. but we get them, um, we get them uh, qu- quarterly or six monthly. We get feedback. Um, so, uh, yeah, there is no live. You would have thought in this day and age there might be uh, better access to it, but just because it comes in through a diff- few different sources, it's hard to.
1: Okay. Oh yeah, to tally it all up together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm just thinking, which way? Should we do it? Maybe loop round. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah of yes. course. Of course. It's such a nice day. I'm so pleased it lovely? It's not yeah. raining. Nice autumn. Autumn leaves all on the ground. Um. But
0: you're setting the scene here. Beautifully I know. Well, you know, our listeners,
1: our listeners can't see. See, so, yeah, we're just walking. Down. I don't really know, actually. I'll be honest. Put my hands up, and say, I don't know. Well, what. we've gone straight. We, so. <laughs> we've come into Regents Park <laughs> out of the tube and walked in a straight line. Um, and it's lovely. Quite quiet. Um, but and my last question is: Has anyone actually on the podcast? Um, has anyone actually ever recognised you from the podcast? You've been like, oh, Ben Guthrie, <coughs> you do that podcast? I, guess. Oh, I get recognised
0: um, everywhere I go. I mean, it's a surprise. This this uh, walk has so far I've been so uninterrupted. <laughs> uh, <coughs> you know what? I don't. Um, you know, some people are some some people are genuinely thrilled to be on the, the podcast. I think, obviously, it's an access, the, the, the highest hit ratio, you know, is our investment managers. Our investment managers will listen to it closely. Yeah. And so that would be, it's very uh, commercially uh, sensible for these fund managers to participate in the yeah. podcast. But I mean, some people who aren't running money, we like to get interested, get interesting guests on there, you know, generally don't know anything about it. You know, we can't pretend that it's a household smash at Our podcast yet. <laughs> Um, Don't put yourself but, down. Uh, you? But um, no, I mean we have, you know, we we, we genuinely have people uh, getting in touch, asking to, um, you know, appear on the podcast, volunteering yeah. themselves. This is a good platform to uh, uh, communicate with our yeah. investment managers.
1: Perhaps this is probably my uh, my second closest claim to radio royalty fame. The, this, this very this, moment? Yeah, this very moment, meeting you. <laughs> okay. The first was uh, probably when I went on a date with someone from Capital Radio, but that is a story for another time. <laughs> <Right. Okay. laughs> um, I think we're just going past the zoo, aren't we? Looking back um, over some of the highlights, or possibly lowlights, of your career, i um, interested to know where you were at uh, the moment of the 08 crash, and specifically when you found out Lehman Brothers collapse can you remember that moment or roughly
0: so the uh yeah it's september 2008 i mean i was at uh, obviously i was at uh at bruins um and <coughs> had um yeah obviously had lots of concerns i mean you, it's not i mean bruins was actually sort of a very calm ship but it was amazing like the emails flying around in amongst friends i had you know one friend who worked at rbs you know another friend who worked at Barclays and it mm-hmm. was all you know it was all there was hysteria sort yeah. of just uh yeah just sort of going around uh, around the city but uh, you know I, it was it was the the, the Bruins, was all, Bruins research was already sort of a success story there wealth management's a little di- you know clearly a little different to yeah. being an investment bank
1: yeah,
0: and um you know diversified portfolios you know, and the need for it was—I never felt really very nervous for my my own personal uh, position. Okay. Uh, Bruins was all, and, and so it was just there was there was it was weirdly sort of an element of fascination uh, about it all. Not—I wouldn't say excitement. You know, more anxiety than excitement. But because I felt Bruins was in such a decent place, and uh, personally things were going all right, and yeah. the search department was doing well. You know, I never never really. Um, Put any, uh, put any sort of, made my hair grow grey or anything like that.
1: <laughs> did you sit on the news lab or did, you, did anyone give you a call? Can you remember that moment?
0: Um, Actually, no, yeah like, you, you need
1: would
0: need s- to come into the office. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, um, you sort of wait, I mean, we research, we always, always try to be, we have this thing called a morning call, we communicate with the group at, uh, you know, around sort of 8.30 in the morning, you need to prepare, so you're often in the, at your desk between 7, 7.30 and so you know we're always early starters in research and it'll be the same with every research department across the country and uh you know you wake up wake up to the news and uh do you know what i can't remember what time but yeah you probably yeah you just sort of wake up to the news and you try and act totally calmly right. and communicate <laughs> rationally try and, try and act calmly <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah put, you put up a calm words. front and uh deliver your messages accordingly
1: yeah i mean it's not as though we've not had our fair share of shock since then either so i suppose it's
0: all experience yeah. that yeah yeah exactly that does uh that does help and i think the the you know the brexit the brexit experience uh post trump was exactly that that uh you know unfortunately the window didn't last very long but the sell-off was you know we were we brought the morning call forward and we were totally you know uh, recognising this as an overreaction from the market. Yeah. You know, he's got market-friendly policies he wants to deliver, by and large. Um, so yeah, those sort of experiences do um, equip you to deal with sort of shocks better in the future.
1: Yeah. It strikes me that you're a very practical, sort of level-headed, kind of take each <laughs> bump in the road as it comes, which I suppose is something that you, a quality, do you feel something that's you need to have doing your job?
0: Yeah, it's totally a quality you need to have because there is just no shortage of, you know, troubling headlines. Um, I mean, not only is it, you know, the, your, the, the journalist sort of profession to write some sensationalist stuff. Yeah. You know, there's actually stuff that's, you know, really quite serious out there, and there's some very serious issues. But, you know, you've got to know which serious issues the market's going to take notice of, and you've got to know which serious issues can actually derail. The business cycle yeah. and through experience you and hard work you do some empirical data analysis you know it's not really it's not really evident that these sort of geopolitical worries ever really move markets or ever really uh change the direction the, uh, the economic direction of a of a region and so yeah i think it is to act calm because it could be so expensive for clients to yeah you know come out of portfolio it's not only the cost of executing on those sales and purchases of other assets but also you know the um, opportunity cost of being out of the market
1: yeah it's a tricky one so what has been if you cast your mind back over the 14 well I suppose longer than that your career what's been your most memorable moment or or on the other hand or perhaps the the best lesson that you've learned
0: um, well the best lesson I've learned is uh, to have a very good Team around you. I think my role has definitely has definitely evolved and uh, demands of my time are sort of pulled in different directions. And so having a good team around you is helpful. And I learned that over the course of time in the, in working with the, the fun research team that we've got, an excellent team that we've got.
1: How many are in your team at the moment?
0: Uh, we've got uh, the six of us. Okay. And that's uh, just looking at funds. That's uh, well, looking at fun, yeah, op- yeah, yeah, uh, open-ended funds investment yeah. trusts, you know, passive vehicles, uh, structured products and, and such. Um, but I also, it was, uh, I think it was about sort of six years ago. We played, we had played a rugby match against a, a competitor, and I was every now and then I've played um, this position called scrum half, which basically just sits behind all the, the big guys. Okay. And uh, on the Bruin Dolphin team, we had uh, Andrew Lewis, former Welsh international, Barry Stewart, Andy. former Scottish international, and Gordie Houston, a Premiership rugby player. So, mm. you know, having that good team around you, uh, <laughs> I remember on that occasion, allowed us to a sort of comfortable victory. And as a scrum half, I was had all the time in the world to do uh, uh, anything. Uh, I chose to, I was quite a boring player, <laughs> so I didn't take <laughs> any risks myself, but I had, still had, it was nice to have the option to have loads of time in your hands. And, you know, it's not like I've got loads of time in my hands as a fund head of fund research. It's just, you know, I'm no doubt got a few more sort of media and commercial type commitments in my role, yeah. rather than uh, micro management and oversight. And mm. that I've got a good team who can, you know, get on and be responsible and make very sound recommendations is really helpful. Mm.
1: So, sort of your low-risk rugby style, is that indicative
0: <laughs> of your investment style as uh, well? No, that was. Uh, well, no, yeah, actually, perhaps there's perhaps an analogy there, perhaps there's a, a, a valid comparison there. I think definitely, uh, you know, in the private client business, uh, it's, it's, it's hard not to, uh, the, the first strategy would be to try and avoid things that could go desperately wrong. And on that basis, you are sort of inclined to invest with the winners, with the quality businesses, as your starting point. Now, yeah. obviously, the world seems in a bit in, uh, uh, in decent shape at the moment, so you know, not uh, far from uh, <coughs> ruling out the idea of taking a bit more risk or cyclicality or you know whatever the, at this juncture. But you know, over time, it's hard not to think that uh, a, a, a lower risk uh, strategy shouldn't for, should should actually form the but uh, yeah. the foundations of a portfolio.
1: Okay. So you're feeling fairly confident in the in the state of the world at the moment. It's yeah, I think so.
0: I think so. I mean, yeah, the doom and gloom is you know apparent, but uh, in you know the ten o'clock news. But the the economic position around the world is is somewhere approaching rude health. I would say. You know, clearly we've got yes. our own domestic challenges, but the uh, U.S., Europe really, Europe really impressing, and China. Well, you know, you can have you can have, there's plenty of bears out there, but it's certainly a stabilisation story at the moment, yeah. which isn't the hard landing everyone was so concerned about. So, you know, we are uh feeling pretty chipper about okay. things.
1: Good. Um, I'd like to move on to kind of the people that you've worked with in your career, um, and particularly who has been the most inspiring or influential person? It doesn't have to be someone that you've worked with, it could be someone outside of work, but who's really, you know, given you, motivation and inspiration?
0: Well, I mean, it's hard not to, I know I can go outside of work, and I don't know how, if everyone you've asked sort of immediately says they're boss, but uh, people, that, people that know me, people that uh, uh, people on the team people in the industry will know that uh, my boss, you know, Guy Foster is a, you know, a real sort of superstar in the industry and got uh, you know tremendous knowledge of nearly most, almost everything that's investment relevant, so it's great to have that As someone I can uh, talk to every day about things, so that's helped me learn tremendously. I think uh, outside of the industry, there's definitely a few fund managers that um, stand out on the equity side. You know, someone like Terry Smith, that would really play back to that sort of winner's theory. Um, You know, it's hard, yeah, it's a relatively low risk strategy, picking the the high quality businesses, you know, sustainable business model Mm -hmm. um, over time proves rewarding. And then I guess on the fixed income side, you know, someone like Jim Levis, Mm -hmm. a real brain, great communicator. And that's something I really want to uh, try to work on. And the podcast has given that platform. Uh, And, you know, I go out there and speak to you know, A lot of the time, speaking to our investment managers, but sometimes clients, uh, IFAs, you know, it's crucial that we can communicate, and uh, yeah, that's um, that's something I really work hard on, so I really try to take lessons from yeah. those fund managers who, uh, who do such a good job at it. Uh, Have we lost? No, no, we're I still think okay? we're literally just going I don't remember, line. I don't remember going past the... this on the way. Do you not? No, I don't. Oh, we li- I, I think, think, think we've literally, literally walked drawn into the conversation. Oh, well, that's thought. good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we've literally walked in a straight line, walked up to the top of the park. Pass the Zoom back around. When we get towards the end of our podcast, we like to ask our interviewee to make a prediction. It's a different one for every person. The first one I was going to ask you was when do you think this podcast is going to get more listeners than yours? (laughs) (laughs) But that was only a bit of a joke.
0: Yeah, well, I I don't think you'll like the answer, I'm afraid. That's never. (laughs) I'm um, sure we can both. I'm sure there's enough uh, room in the market okay. for both of them to make their way.
1: Maybe we can do a joint download. Probably or this one. This one. Maybe I will get one free, but it's free.
0: <laughs> Maybe this one will get more. This specific one will get okay, more than mine. I'll but let you know outside of that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll let you know the stats when it comes out. Um, no, but uh, something I wanted to pitch to you, see what you think, is um, when do you think that cash is going to stop existing and we'll be paying for everything electronically? When do you think we'll say goodbye? To sterling, pound, <sighs> coin, and notes?
0: Well, um, interesting question because we've just had a couple of days where I think Bitcoin's down around sort of 30%, okay. isn't yeah. it? 25, 30%. So that may dissuade people from uh, moving that direction. I, d- I think, uh, you know, so it's probably my core view would be never. And then okay. How, why, do you, why do
1: you say never?
0: Well, I'm surprised. I just sort of I thought feel you'd like there's said... enough. Transactions that are done um, sort of surreptitiously that need, require cash. <laughs> what,
1: what kind of things have you been doing outside of work? <laughs> uh,
0: well, you know, I just, you know, I watch movies, I hear these stories. Okay, I um, see. But uh, I, yeah, I mean, it's certainly diminishing. I think they always sort of say we underestimate how fast things can move, you know, two years out. I mean, I would imagine in, in four years, I'll probably. We'd be making a trip to the cash point you know once every three months or so, once a quarter or something like yeah. that so uh, yeah between two and four years or yeah. about four years time i would have thought cash would
1: be um well thank you very much
0: pleasure that's, that's a pleasure. really nice way to spend that, the afternoon i
1: know it's not not bad at all